grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called In This We Trust. As Pastor Sean will give you practical advice and biblical wisdom when it comes to your finances. Will money make you happy? Well, here's a silver bullet. What if your happiness has less to do with how much you have and more to do with whom we belong to? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message, The Silver Bullet. Pastor Sean is pulling a lot of wisdom from Proverbs and Philippians. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Ecclesiastes 5, 10, 11 says this, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Maybe you've experienced the, the dynamic because you're like, that's not true. That's not true. I, I'm, I'm making this much and I'm, I'm having a hard time making it. But I know, if I made this much, I would be good. I'd never need another thing again. Okay, go back to yourself maybe 10 years ago. You were making this much. You thought, man, if I ever made this, I'd be fine. I wouldn't need any more. And now you're making that. How's it going? Oh, it doesn't work that way. You know why? Here's why. This too is meaningless. Look what he says. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. The more you make, the more opportunities there is someone looking with their hand out to take some of it. And what benefit are they to own except to feast his eyes on them? It's called being broke at a higher level. It is, really. And by the way, when we talk about 78% of Americans, some of the wealthiest people in the world, are living paycheck to paycheck, that's exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes is talking about. Being broke at a higher level. I mean, you know, and as, as we get, uh, th- there's, there's, you know, when you're, when you're in your 20s, you're making this and go, man, I'm barely making it. No, I, I don't have it. But, but man, if I get this, and then in your 40s, you're making that. Do you feel rich? No. You know who's rich? Anybody who has more than me, that's who's rich. Because I'm the baseline. Those who have less, I feel sorry for them. They're poor. Those who have more, oh, they're, they're rich. Me, I'm the average. That's not the way it works. And as goods increase, so do those who consume them. You know, all of a sudden in my 40s, yeah, I was making a lot more than I made in my 20s. But all of a sudden there were people around called children who wanted some of it. There were things that I had bought that I had now that t- took maintenance that I didn't have before. When we had a little apartment, there was no maintenance. But now we have a home that has maintenance and things. And as goods increase, so do those who consume them. It's a, it just happens. And we, end, we can end up, if we're not careful, being broke at a higher level. Matthew 13, 22. Jesus, his memory, he's telling the parable of the sower. It talks about the different soils. Remember what he said about the soil with the thorns. And here's how he described it. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, and look, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. Did you know that your wealth is deceitful and lying to you? Wealth lies to us. See, wealth tells me if I have enough, then I'll never have to worry. Well, talk to anybody who has resources and see if they don't worry. Nope. Wealth lied to them. If I have more wealth, then I'll be more important and people will respect me more. Nope. They might to my face if they want some of my wealth, but behind my back, I'm just me. Good, bad, and ugly. Wealth says I'll never have to worry about it ever, ever, ever again. No, that's just not true. Wealth lies to you. 
And see, this addiction to more is killing us, and that's why there's so much debt and so much brokenness in that. Remember, simple scriptures, Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. The Bible doesn't want you to be in that place where you have to serve anyone but the Lord. You were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. This is one of the ways we do it. People get out of control. They get where their, their debt is just consuming them. Debt enslaves so many people. I want to say to you, if you are here and you are not free, you can't think about even 10, 10, 80 because you just don't. You just, your debt just won't allow it. I want to say you can be free. I want to encourage you. We have financial peace class. Sign up and go. Get some help. Get some wisdom. Get some accountability. Take care of it. I, I've seen so many people. I talked to a, I talked to a young guy this last week. He's, we were talking about this, and he's talking about the message. And he said he's very conservative, and he kind of does things financially really conservatively and wisely. Uh, he says, but man, when we got started out with wedding and everything, we got into some serious debt. And so we realized we need to do something about it. Um, I think they did the financial piece. And they retired. Like, And this is a young couple. They, he, this, guy's, this guy's not a wealthy man or, or a doctor, right? He, he's, he's just a young couple out of college. They retired $38,000 of debt in eight months. Okay, now this guy's kind of hardcore. And I'm, I'm envisioning him living in some little hut somewhere or something. I don't know. But I'm like, you can do it. And you go to a financial peace class, and you hear those people talk about how much debt they required in that time. Don't let this be a problem next year and the year after. You may not, I mean, it may have taken you 30 years to get where you are. You may not get rid of it in a year, but you can make some serious progress in a year. And next year you can be sitting here and have it be very different. And two years from now, what if you were debt-free and your whole income was again available for what God intended it to be for? Don't let this continue to be a ball and chain around your neck. Get some freedom. Contentment is the secret to prosperity. Sets us free. Second, and this is, I love this, I love this. Contentment opens my eyes to the blessings I already have. It opens my eyes to the blessings I already have. You know what we call that? We call that gratitude. And one of the sweetest, most beautiful things on a person is gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks continually. Another passage says, God's desire is for us to be thankful. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, What the eye sees, what the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. This too is futility and a striving after the wind. See, focusing on what you want, listen, Focusing on what you want blurs your vision of what you already have. One of the best ways to begin to just cultivate contentment is to learn the habit of gratitude. And just to start being gratitude. And I'm telling you, we live in a culture that is literally waging war on gratitude. Because it's hard to be a victim and be grateful. And we got a culture that's trying to make everybody a victim. Well, if everybody's a victim, nobody's grateful. Because I'm not grateful for being a victim. But if you believe that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you, who created you, who's with you, who, who wants to, to bless you and has a plan for you and can help you overcome whatever it is you've had to face, if you're living in that reality, it changes you and all of a sudden you become a person of gratitude and you start looking not at what you don't have or what that one didn't give you or what that one didn't say, but you start looking at what I do have. 
I start looking at what I do have. Thank you, Lord, for the family I do have. Thank you for the home I do have. For the car I do have. And it may not be a great car, but I thank you that I have it. It might be a clunker in some ways, but thank you that I have it. And thank you for jumper cables that I need that I have in the trunk. Praise God. I still keep jumper cables in my trunk. So many years, that was just a staple, you know. I thank you, Lord, for what I have. See, discontent and ingratitude go hand in hand. Discontent and ingratitude go hand in hand. And I'm telling you, you hang around a person who's thankful. Stop and think. We we probably all know people who are just thankful. And there's just a sweetness about their personality. Just something neat that comes out. And it don't have to be someone that, you know, uh, some of those thankful people I know are not the richest people I know. But they're grateful and they see the gifts of God and they're focused on the good things that God has done and what he's given. They don't have time to worry about what they don't have. See, focus on what I don't have always blurs my vision of what I do have in my hand. Contentment sets me free to be grateful. Sets me free to give thanks. Third thing, and this is very practical, Contentment makes me rich. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you said you didn't want me rich. Well, I'm not talking about necessarily material, materially wealthy, but very few people actually are trying to get like a garage full of money, okay? And there may be a couple of you in here, I'm just like, well, whatever, okay? Most people don't want a garage full of money. They want what it buys. They want the freedom. They want the peace. They want the security. That's what they're looking for. They're not necessarily looking for just the garage full of actual cash. Well, contentment, makes me rich. I love a quote that Benjamin Franklin said. Who is rich? He that is content. Who is rich? He that is content. And then, kind of tongue-in-cheek, he went on, and who is that? Nobody. (laughs) A lot of truth to that. But understand, when we are content, what we're saying is, I have plenty. I don't need any more. I couldn't eat another bite. My needs are met. I am supplied. I am full. I'm good. Well, if that's not rich... I, I, I don't know the definition. That's what contentment is. I have enough. I am full. I am grateful. That's a gift of the Lord. And that's his gift for every single one of us. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Silver Bullet. It's in the series called In This We Trust which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life. 
I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Silver Bullet. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Contentment allows me to begin to live simply. The gift of simplicity. We make things so complex, so much fear, so much strife. Simplicity is a wonderful gift. I love this verse from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Look at this. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Look what he says. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Interesting. But give me only my daily bread. That's contentment. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. And say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. See, recognizing that the goal is not a bunch of stuff. The goal is freedom. And the stuff can become as much a hindrance as the pursuit of stuff can be. Honestly, the obsession to store and keep money is as dangerous as the obsession to get more and get more stuff. That's where I want to suggest you Dave Ramsey does a great job, and I recommend his resources highly, but he only goes halfway. Because see, security in anything you own is ultimately doomed to fail. Because it's not secure, and we don't get to keep it. It's a loan. Security in anything you own is doomed to fail. You you think your retirement retirement account is good? Oh, I'm secure now. Well, I think you should get a retirement account. I think you should be wise in that. I think you should have savings so that you're free and you're not in debt. I think all that's wonderful. But if you think it's secure, just talk to anyone who lived through World War II in Germany and watch what happened after the, after the war was over and their currency just completely, the bottom fell out. They went had incredible inflation and they learned, oh my gosh, I can have a fortune in the bank and then it'd be nothing. That's possible followers of Jesus Christ knew the day after that financial crash, God is my provider just like he was the day before the crash. I am secure in him. I have staked my life, my contentment, my joy, my peace on the one thing that is secure. It's a very powerful thing. First Timothy 6, 7 and 8, we brought nothing into the world We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we shall be content with that. And again, I told you, this word can be translated covering. I don't don't think I'm being too presumptuous on the Lord to say a roof over our heads. And I'm telling you, I'm stretching it now, okay? I I feel like I can stretch it, and God will have to, maybe he needs to forgive me, but I think transportation to get where we need to go, where he needs us to go. That's work, that's... Food, clothes, covering over our head, and transportation. I, I believe we can confidently say, Lord, you want to provide those. In this day, people mostly lived in smaller communities and walked where they went. I don't, I don't think God's going God's to throw me out of here for saying, I think we can trust him and we can ask him to meet our needs, including reasonable transportation to get to and from work. So food, enough to eat, clothing, a roof over our heads, and transportation. And then what I recognize after that, my needs are met. 
Think about that. My needs are met. Anything above that is gravy. And you know what's beautiful, what we've learned studying Scripture? God loves us. He loves to bless us. He loves to give us gravy. But the point is, I don't, I, I, don't, I, that's, I don't have to pursue that. I do what he's asked me to do, and the bottom line is, he meets my needs through my job, through the opportunities he gives me, through business, whatever it is he asks me to do, I work, and my work produces what I need. And I realize if it's food, clothing, a roof over my head, and transportation, then I am amply supplied. I have what I need. Anything else is a gift of the Lord, and it's, it's extra. And Lord, I am so grateful and thankful. And I don't feel guilty over that, but I recognize that's a blessing. And God wants me to hang on to those blessings loosely and enjoy them, but then share them and be a blessing. That's the gift of contentment. It sets us free. And understand, what Timothy said is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Birds don't worry about farming and planting seeds, and yet God feeds them. Flowers don't worry about what they look like, yet they're more beautiful than Solomon in all his splendor. Won't God take care of you? That's the power of trusting him and saying, God is my provider. And one of the great gifts is the ability to grow and walk in the gift of contentment. Contentment is the secret to prosperity. And last thing, and maybe most important, Remember we said freedom is God's will for us? Contentment sets me free. It really does. Contentment sets me free. Stop and think about it. When I have enough, and I don't have to anymore live the life that is the pursuit of more, the pursuit of more, hanging on to more and pursuing more, which is what most of us were socialized just to do with our lives. Get more, get more, get more. When I am all of a sudden content and freed up, All of a sudden, a whole lot of my bandwidth, my time, my vision, my energy just got freed up. Just got freed up. When I realize I'm content, I'm supplied, all those things in my heart that God stirred that I said, oh, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. Or I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have this. I don't. I'm content. And all kinds of time, energy, vision, focus just got freed up. A question that I love to ask whenever I talk about this subject that I think helps us contextualize a little bit. Okay, <clears throat> if, if you won the lottery tomorrow, won the lottery tomorrow, okay, what would you do? And I know some of you have a little like list on your phone right now you could pull out because you, you've thought this through. Every day as you stand in line to pay your tax it, for people who are bad at math. You've thought this through. If I won the lottery, I would do this. Or maybe you have, if you had a... a Distant relative you didn't even know who left you $20 million and you didn't have to worry about it. What would you do? Okay, you, you've got your list of things. Okay, I'd pay off my mom's house. I'd, I'd you know, do this for my kids. I'd take this vacation. I'd get this whatever, whatever. And once you get through all of that kind of stuff and now you're, you're there and it's the day after you've done all that stuff and you still have 24-7 like everybody else. I got to do something with my time. I'm free. What am I going to do with my time? See, that's where you start to go and see maybe what God's put in your heart. What would you do if money wasn't a concern? What would you do? What would God have you do? What things do you see that you go, I wish I had a way to do something about that. But now you would because you have time. See, here's the deal. We have a provider 
who has promised to care for us, to meet our needs, and to give us the freedom. If we'll seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all our needs will be met. We actually can live with that kind of freedom. He called us to that. He called us to live with that kind of freedom. And that that involves, I mean, doing our job, where he's got you at work, that is a gift of the Lord. Your work is a gift, and it is a, it is a way for you to pay your bills. It is a way for you to take care of your family. But it's also an, an opportunity for you to serve the Lord. If you're working a job that you go, I hate, I can't serve the Lord, I have to do things that I don't like, but I need this much money because i got to have the house, and i got to pay for the house, and the mortgage is here, and the car, i got to pay for the cars, and i got this, i got this, I got this. Sell the house, sell the cars, do what you got to do. If you need to, sell it. And live within what you make and do what God's called you to do. If you go, man, if I could, I would go do this, but I can't afford that. Well, what would it take for you to be able to do that? If God's called you to do that and he's, if that provides this kind of income, maybe that's his gift to you. And you'll, but I'd have to get rid of the house. I'd have to get, so what? He's promising you days filled with purpose, meaning, and much less stress. Is that a gift? Does that sound appealing? Sure, you got a simpler house. We're still better than 95% of people in the world. But man, now we're free. Contentment sets me free. Remember what Paul said? I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Philippians 4, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know it is to be in need. I know it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He is the key. He created us for a life of purpose, not a life of slavery. Contentment is the secret to that life. Now, I want to give you some very practical ways to cultivate contentment. Okay, so you might want to write these down. Okay, how to cultivate contentment. One, begin to practice gratitude for what you have. And some of you, maybe you've so long thought, I got a raw deal, and your whole bend is towards complaining and I'm a victim, I didn't get this, I'm going to ask you to discipline, get a friend to hold you accountable, and begin to say, I am going to practice gratitude for what I have. I thank you, God, for this. Literally the old idea, count your blessings. Start doing it. I thank you for this. I thank you for this, Father. I thank you for this. I'm serious. Once you begin to make that a habit, that I don't know of a way to cultivate contentment better than to first start with gratitude. Just start to cultivate, practice gratitude for what you have. A second thing is to go on an acquisition diet. Maybe some of us need to go on an acquisition diet. I'm not going to acquire anything else. Okay? If you have a problem with the desire to acquire, you have a problem with an acquisition mindset, just go on a, a, a diet and says, I don't, I'm not going to acquire anything more. You're like, what will I do? Shopping is what I do when I have free time. I shop. It's what I do. I don't know. Buy a book. Read a book. Get, get, get a hobby, you know? Needlepoint. I don't care. Do something. Do it. Get another hobby. Just go on an acquisition diet. And here's the thing. Take note at the end of that diet that you did not die. It's very important. You did not die. It did not kill you. Some, for some of us, that'll be like a whole revelation. Oh, I actually am fine. See what happens. Number three, very important, very important. Listen, examine your areas of discontent for fear. And this is any area of discontent. 
discontent. When you, when you sit and go, wow, this makes such sense. It's so biblical. You know, I should be content. Examine those areas where you are discontent, and I'll, I'll bet you you find a fear, an underlying fear somewhere that's driving that. Why do I, want, I think I need to do more? Why do I think I haven't achieved enough? I've got to do more, do more, do more. Well, there's a fear. Someone told me for years I was never going to mount anything, never going to mount anything, never going to mount anything, and I'm, I'm jumping through hoops trying to deal with that fear that maybe they're right, maybe they're right. When instead, I start spending time with the Lord and recognizing he loves me. He's not asking me to do more to, so that he'll love me. And look for that fear. What's the fear? What if, what if I don't have enough? I won't be secure. What, what if God's not faithful? What if God's not going to be there in the future? See, it's a fear. Most often, our discontent is connected to some deeper fear. Take some time, and in those areas of discontent, look for what fear do you discover? And begin to pray about that. Give that to the Lord. If you need to talk to somebody and just begin to look at Scripture, what does the Scripture say about that fear? And see what the Lord says. Number four, implement Paul's secret of contentment, which was to entrust your life to the Lord. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's his secret to contentment. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, in this we trust It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.